thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm so happy to see you this evening. You may be seated. Thankful for each of you, each of your faithfulness. Thank the Lord. And tonight I want to go to the word of the Lord. We just made an announcement about a missionary that's coming this weekend. Um, We... We get in ministerial meetings, and the people that help schedule missionaries, they run around with the schedules and ask us, each pastor, to each pastor to take a missionary for a service. Many times we'll take a missionary, and uh, not necessarily for a service, but um, they call it a hosting. Would you have them come and, and take them to dinner and give them an offering, that, that kind of thing? And so, uh, this last year in January, Brother 
Trent, when they run around showing us that list, I said, Trent, take one. And we never looked at the calendar. We just signed the line. We didn't know who, what, where, when, or why. We are wonderful schedulers. And uh, so uh, we realized that um, about three or four weeks ago that we had a missionary that was going to be coming this Sunday night. So we've waited to hear from them. We didn't really know who it was or have a contact number, but we were waiting. And so um, we received a call today from a missionary, and he said he was to be with us Sunday, but it wasn't the name that we thought. And so I'm telling you this long story so, you'll, so you can understand uh, something neat. And it turns out that uh, Brother and Sister Long, the missionaries that we thought we had scheduled, not the Longs that have been here before, it's a family named Long that, um, that are, are in the country of Nicaragua. It turns out that they are one of those missionary families whom was sent back early due to the I Am Global offering. And so the missionary that was coming, we already helped to send them back early. And that's, that's exciting. And so this missionary said, I am, I've been plugged into their travel schedule, and he's a brand-new, fresh appointee. This is his, his first time to travel like this. And so we will have a missionary here on Sunday morning. He's going to the country of Morocco. He's asked that we not post any pictures on our screens or, or on our social media and that there be no streaming of any kind because he goes and he, he's going to Morocco. He spent several years there as an AIM missionary, which is where you basically support yourself. And uh, he's going and he's going there and he cannot be identified as a missionary or even as a Christian minister of any kind. He has to go basically underground. So they're raising their support. And uh, with them just starting, they will travel for most of this next year. And the I Am Global offering next year will finish them up and send them on. But they're brand new. And the I Am Global offering that we always participate in, it, it's what really sends the missionaries back that have traveled before. It's not their first travel season. They, they build their budgets on that first travel season. And then... Uh, when these veteran missionaries come back, they come back for just a few days, and they're, they're off now. And so this missionary is brand new, and I know that you will enjoy you will enjoy their ministry on Sunday morning. Amen. Tonight I want to talk for a few moments about praying through a crisis. Praying through a crisis. Has anybody ever had a crisis moment in your life? Well, maybe, maybe we should maybe not use the word crisis because it's too, it's too general. It's too removed. Has anybody ever had a meltdown moment? Anybody ever lost it? Anybody ever said words that you probably shouldn't have said? You tried to catch and pull them back in. Wish you could unsay or undo that. I want to talk about praying through crisis moments. We have crisis and we sometimes... We get involved in them, and we don't really realize that we are involved in a very normal stage of life, uh, such as maybe what we laughingly refer to as a midlife crisis. Uh, there's other 
there's other times in life that, that we see. Um, I do know that the week that Trent got married, I did not realize that I was going through a crisis known as empty nest syndrome. And I was very upset and I was grieving uh, the week after he was married. And because he was moving so far away, he just moved across the parking lot. And I was with some friends, and they told me, you're just, you're just all messed up because your boy moved out. And there's moments like this that we find ourselves in crisis. So I want to talk about praying through one of those. And with that, I want to look at that character in the Bible that we know as Daniel. Daniel. That man whom was a captive under the kingdom of Babylon, the wicked Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had taken Israel into captivity and changed Daniel's name to Belshazzar. This young man was a godly man. He endeavored so hard to follow after the things of God. And when you read the story of the three Hebrew children of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how that they wouldn't eat of the king's food. Daniel was a player in that story. He was part of that same class of young Jewish men. He was taken into captivity at an early age, somewhere around 13 or 14 years of age. We find him, we find him being one of those young men who would rise to prominence. Daniel, his godly parents, uh, they... They were taken captive, and, 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 but when he was born, they felt the need to name him Daniel, which is simply, God is my judge. It would be this same Daniel whom would be known for his praying. It would be this same Daniel who would interpret dreams. It was this Daniel that uh, at, in his latter years would be thrown into the lion's den because of his prayer life. And he was quite renowned. Daniel became quite known in his day, not just as a Bible character to us, but in his day. He was quite known for his interpretation of dreams and his praying for other people. You might find this interesting, but there's another historical character who lived at the same time frame as Daniel. It was a man that was from what we call what we call the Far East or, or Asia. And it was a man by the name of Confucius. And Confucius and Daniel were contemporaries in their times and their seasons, though they lived in different places. Both of them known for their wisdom. Both of them known for their insights, great insights to things. And Daniel, this man that was taken into captivity as a lad, as a young boy, and then raised all of his life. He was very successful at living for God in an ungodly culture. In an anti-God environment, he was able to be faithful and to live for God. There he was in Babylon, surrounded by pagans, surrounded by pagan gods, and surrounded by ungodly people somehow. Daniel, the young man, managed to grow up from a teenager through all the years of his life. And 
we find that through his entire life, he was able to possess his vessel with sanctification and honor. He was able, he was able to maintain his integrity. And we think of, we think of Daniel in the lion's den, and we think of a, we think of a Sunday school story. And we have, at least I do, maybe I'm including you in this inclusive type speech. But I, I think of Daniel in the lion's den as a, as a man that's full of strength, as a man that, that uh, would be young and would be powerful. But in all reality, the time frame of Daniel's life, we, we come to realize that Daniel was over 80 years of age when he arrived at the lion's den that night. He had a lifetime of prayers, a lifetime of being faithful, a lifetime of just just doing what was right and and endeavoring to possess his life and and keep himself uh, faithful to the Lord. So, after having lived all of his life, well, some seventy something years as a captive, almost seventy years as a captive, we we understand and know that Daniel would, every time that a crisis or problem or a need would rise up, that Daniel would take these things to prayer. And we learn of a story in his latter life to where that three times a day, whatever was going on, Daniel would go to his house and he would open the window of his house that pointed towards Jerusalem and he would pray. He would pray towards Jerusalem and he would pray to Jehovah God, and it was his natural response on good days and on bad days that he would, would pray. And when he would be presented with the interpretation of other strange dreams, he would pray and seek the Lord and come back the next day with an answer to, and with an interpretation to those dreams. It was in moments of confusion, in moments that of of. Uh, when a kingdom was in upheaval and a kingdom was doing so many, so many ungodly things. You may remember uh, the time that Belshazzar, the wicked Babylonian king, he, he wound up. There was a Belshazzar and a Belteshazzar. And Daniel was known as Belshazzar, but Belteshazzar was the wicked, wicked king of Babylon at one time, Daniel, having served there in that country for an excess of 70 years, uh, he served under more than one, one king. But it was in this moment, you may remember that of, drunken, of drunkenness that Belshazzar called for the vessels of the temple to be brought. And there the, the things that had been dedicated to God, he made a mockery of them. And in his, in his drunken party, with his lords and his men, they filled those sanctified vessels with with wine, and in the midst of their their drunken party, they made a mockery of God, and they made a mockery of things dedicated to God, and they they made party and they drank uh, ve- they drank from those vessels that had been dedicated to God, and in the midst of that, uh, there there is that that report we read where. The hand of God came and began writing on that wall. And Daniel was called to, to bring an interpretation for this uh, of which he, he, could read, uh, he could read what was on the wall. I think the words, if I remember them correctly, were many, many tekel eupharsim. And he would bring back, uh, he would bring back a, a, an interpretation to these, 
to this vision or this very real epiphanic moment that had happened there, he brought back uh, the message that, that the kingdom of God, I mean, the kingdom of Babylon had been weighed in the balances of God. And God had found it wanting. And even at this moment, he would tell them that the kingdom was following to another kingdom. And history tells us that it was in that same night that Babylon was attacked with another, another armies had come and assaulted them. It is in these moments that, that Daniel was called on over and over again that he would, that he would interpret dreams. But in Daniel 7. We find a record of a story where he had a dream of his own. And in that dream of his own that he had, he was overcome with confusion. He was grieving in his spirit. He was upset and he, he needed help with an understanding of what he was saying. And here was Daniel in the midst of this moment of a spiritual crisis, not being able to understand what was going on. Daniel 7, I want to read to you that Daniel said, I was grieved in my spirit and in the midst of my body and of these visions of my head that troubled me. He said, I was having this dream and it was troubling me. And so I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. And What was going on here was in that dream, apparently Daniel had seen an angel in that dream and he went to that angel and asked for an explanation. And in this, in this moment, when he suddenly is facing a crisis of his own faith, a crisis of what's going on around him, he has a dream that he can't understand and the interpreter of dreams is unable to (coughs) understand. The interpreter of dreams is unable to interpret his own dream. And the man that's used to getting an answer from God is not able to receive an answer from God. The man whose prayers are often answered, he's not getting an answer for his prayers today. I don't know, but there's been moments when I've prayed that I didn't feel like God heard me. I've, there's been times that I went to God and, and uh, I said, Lord, I've been faithful, but I, I, I need an answer. But I don't feel like that you're hearing me. You, you may be one of those folks that, that you just so heavenly and so godly that, that you just breathe the essence of the Spirit and you look up to God and he opens a window and he says, okay, what you want today, Bubba? And he just takes care of whatever you pray. But it's, it's more laborious for me at times. And at times uh, I have to find a way to connect with him. And we find that Daniel becomes in this moment a great model on how to pray during a time of a crisis. Have you ever felt such a crisis? Have you ever felt like being faithful, suddenly you're presented with something that's larger than yourself and larger than your faith? Have you ever been in that moment when you just didn't know which way to turn and you were living for God and you've endeavored to be faithful to God, but you find yourself in a moment when you just don't know how to respond. You don't know what to do. You don't know which way to turn. One of the things that Daniel was struggling with here, and he had heard the prophecies of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah had told that Israel would go into captivity for 70 years. You may 
remember the term of 70 years. And, and, and Jeremiah had, had prophesied and promised Israel that this captivity would be over in 70 years. And here was Daniel around his 80th to 83rd birthday, having gone into captivity somewhere around 13 to 15 years of age. He was at that threshold of 70 years in captivity that Daniel, that Jeremiah had prophesied in about 70 years, Israel will come out of that captivity. And Daniel realized he lived his whole life, almost his entire life, in this place of captivity, knowing God would deliver. And as he neared the threshold of that prophetic moment, when Jeremiah had said that they would be there in captivity 70 years. This began to bother him. It began to pray. And he began to pray with desperation. And he began to pray, but you got to understand something. The secret here is even approaching the threshold of that 70-year window, even feeling the deadline of what he knew should be the end of that season of captivity, Daniel prayed. He knew that in this season that he's facing the threshold of a crisis in his life and of his faith. This is all going to be over with in seven. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, you can't pay your light bill and, and you know that it's going to be turned off uh, on a certain day if it's not paid by a certain day and a certain time. And that threshold begins to loom closer and closer. And you, you know you're not going to have the budget to do it. And you begin to feel that, that desperate, desperate need that I've got to have this solved. There's a threshold. There's a threshold coming. This is what Daniel was feeling and he was praying. But you must understand He responded simply in the middle of that crisis, he prayed. In the middle of that crisis, uh, he took it to God. So in the moment of your crisis, whatever it is, if it's a time frame that you're dealing with, if the repo man's coming, if the tax man's coming, if the light man is coming, whatever it is that's coming, you can understand and know, you can panic, you can respond incorrectly, Or you can do what Daniel did in the moment of the crisis. And that is, you can take this to God in prayer. And too many times, we respond in our flesh. We respond not in the way that is quite so pleasing to God. And then we find, as this story would continue, that Daniel would begin to really seek the Lord with power, with passion, and with purpose. In Daniel chapter 9 and 3, we see that Daniel says these words, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. David, Daniel was listening for the voice of God. He was searching for answers in the word of God and in the scripture. And the Bible said that he set his face unto the Lord to seek by prayer, to seek by fastings, to seek with supplications. He knew That God had created this threshold of time. And God had promised to bring Israel out. And Daniel 
after seeking the face of God and seeking the word of God, he set his face toward the Lord and he began to pray. You see, he shows us in that most important moment when a crisis is arriving. We don't always, you know, sometimes crisis come to us and we wake up and suddenly we're in the middle of it. But there's more, more times than not, we see the coming storm for a season. We see the clouds rising up. We understand the problems that are coming our way. And Daniel realized and knew that that threshold was coming. And the most important thing he could do in that moment was turn his face towards God and seek the face to God. He had, he knew, he had to reach out to God. So Daniel focused his attention towards the Lord. Daniel, he did this physically. This is why every day he went to that window. We're thinking that he just had a prayer place in his bedroom. He throws the window up and and he goes and prays there every day. But no, he was praying loud and he was praying with passion and he was praying with purpose because he opened that window that pointed towards Jerusalem and the city of David and, and his homeland and the place of promise. And he prayed loud for this. He set his face towards God. He says, I turn towards the Lord. And one of the reasons a crisis many times causes us so much pain is we take our eyes off of God in the middle of it. We take our eyes off of God when the pressure's on. We, 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 instead of focusing towards the things of God and the ways of God when the crisis is on, we many times we turn more to the ways that we can solve these problems Self. Uh, when crisis comes, uh, many times uh, we turn, we turn our face uh, towards our own ability to generate our own finances or to generate uh, our own revenues or to generate our own answers. When crisis comes, many times, instead of looking towards the Lord, we will look towards friends and family and we will, we will pour our problems out to friends and family rather than pouring them out to God. Instead of focusing and turning our face towards God, we focus our attention on other things and on other people. And this seems to unfold over and over again that in the midst of trial, in the midst of trauma, we look for an answer. In the midst of pressures, we just boil out. I was recently speaking to someone and they had had found themselves being approached by a storm and they were feeling the panic. Uh, They were feeling the panic uh, of an upcoming crisis. And I was amazed. I was stunned. Uh, I was without response as a man and as a pastor as I suddenly felt uh, the pressures that this dear person was feeling. I felt the crisis, the moment, the pressures, the anxieties. It all just kind of, for lack of a better word, it was just vomited out on me. And it was with so much hurt and so much anger and so much passion. And I'm standing there thinking, Lord, I need a word for her. I need a word for him. I need a word for this family. I don't know what to say here, but this stuff just poured out. And the only thing I know is when we start looking at 
other answers and other ways to solve our problems. It seems like our eyes are drawn off of the problem fixer, of the problem solver, of the healer, and of the provider. And we look other places, we look at other things, and we get distracted from the only one that can help us. I say we should do what Daniel did. We go to that place of prayer. We open that window that points towards the place of God. And we begin to cry out and we turn our face towards God. We turn our face towards the Lord. We turn our face toward the one who can answer and help us with this prayer. It's during this moments of crisis uh, that we that we should focus on God, not the details and not the circumstances. We ought to keep focused. Uh, we ought to keep the main thing, the main thing, and keep our eyes on the master. If you're facing crisis here tonight, if you're feeling pressures and anxieties, I say to you today, you spend time with your face turned towards God. You spend time in your Bible. You spend time seeking the face of God. If your belief system is under assault, I say, seek the face of God. If your faith is under attack, I say, seek the face of God. If you are feeling emotions and feelings and thoughts and feeling the verbal attacks of hell and of demons that want to bring discouragement and despondency and bring sadness and steal your joy, I say, open that window towards the city of God, lift up your voice and turn your face towards the face of God and you cry out to him and you pray for him in the middle of that moment of pressure in the middle of that moment of crisis I want to quickly hurry and mention a couple of things that Daniel expressed the desires with emotion he didn't pray quiet but Daniel at that window he prayed loud he prayed so loud he drew the attention of other people People that hated him, people that were against him, people that that were jealous of him, he drew their attention. He turned his face towards God and he began to make his request known before the Lord and he prayed loud and long. The Bible says that Daniel regularly would plead with God. And when you plead with God, you're entering into an emotional type of prayer where you're begging God, you are beseeching God, you are into this prayer, you are emotional. You are emotionally evolved, emotionally committed, and you become passionate about this answer. Oh, I say thank you. I say thank you to every prayer meeting that we've had of late. When we were chastened and when we were, when we were encouraged and we were pushed to pray with intensity and pray with fervor. I appreciate every time that we pray, that we pray out loud. I say, friend of mine, saint of God, learn to pray out loud. Learn to pray from your emotions. Learn to pray from your innermost man. Learn to plead with God. Know what it is to turn your face towards God and let it out and pray loud and and pray with confidence and pray with desperation and pray with boldness and let God know that your request is more than just a whim. God, this is important. And 
And if you don't take care of this, uh, I have no other recourse. Uh, I have no other way. God, this has got to be from you. And so, Lord, I pray with passion and I pray with emotion. Your passion, your intensity, your emotion will reveal how much it matters to you. Remember the lady who went to the judge, fell down his feet and said, judge, relieve me of my adversary. She kept coming back. She was loud. She was in his face. And finally, the judge says, I will do this for you because if I don't do it for you, you're going to drive me crazy coming back all the time. We need to bother God with our prayers. He's, he doesn't care. He welcomes that. If you, if hell tells you to, to, to don't bother God with that, that's what you need to be doing. If hell tells you, you don't have to pray loud, you don't have to pray long, you don't have to pray hard about that, then understand that's what you need to be doing. You need to lift up your voice, uh, turn your face towards God, and let that prayer and let that petition pour out uh, of your spirit. Amen. Amen. He did this and he prayed with this passion. Let me reassure you here this evening that God will respond to your passionate prayers. God will respond to those moments that you plead to him, that you cry out to him. He will respond. So I say, pray your feelings, pray your thoughts, pray with desperation, pray out loud, pray strong, pray loud, pray bold pray noisy, pray in the face of the devil, pray in the face of his lies, pray in the face of temptation, let it out, turn your face towards God and pray through that crisis in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. I'm challenging you to do that, to do it and let the word of God be manifest, let it be manifest in, in your in your life, uh, because when you do that, uh, you have this absolute certainty that God will always, uh, He will always uh, hear you. Uh, Daniel demonstrated the seriousness um, of his prayers. Uh, does God really know that you are serious about your prayers? And he showed God how serious he was because in that verse we read, it says, I turned my face towards the Lord and I pled with him with prayers, with fastings, with sackcloth, and with ashes. He not only prayed, but he said, God, this is important enough to me that I am going to push my plate back and I will not eat and I will deny myself so I can bring my flesh into more subjection and communion to you. Listen, fasting is not a spiritual activity. As a matter of fact, flat fasting is quite carnal. Because when you're doing it, you will feel mean. You will feel ugly. You will feel grouchy. You will, you will have all sorts of... There, I mean, it's a natural biological thing. You're not eating. You've got poisons in your body. They're going to come out. And this, sadly, that most of them, uh, they, 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 they choose to leave your body a lot of time through your mouth. And all that stuff's in there. And you get grouchy and you get mean. You may, you may know who that you're... I may be talking about your spouse or somebody. Just punch them real good right now and say, and, and that's the reason you need to fast so that your flesh and the poisons in your flesh and the poisons in your spirit can come into alignment with him. And David demonstrated that seriousness by praying and by fasting and putting on his sackcloth 
and ashes. He, 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 gar, he put garments on that signified, God, I'm humiliating myself in such a way. I'm humbling myself before you, God. And God will know how serious that you are about this praying. Jesus one day told his disciples when they were expressing to him their difficulty and seeing particular healings and prayers answered. He looked at them in Mark chapter 9 and verse 29. He said this unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. When we pray and when we fast, we are placing ourselves in a position where God understands they are serious about this. And so when Daniel would pray and fast with his face out the window pointed towards the face of God, when he was doing that, God knew and God understood and God would respond. And some answers can only come when we say, okay, God, I'm going to pray loud and I'm going to pray bold and I'm going to deny my flesh and I'm going to fast and I'm not going to just, I'm not just going to do one of these, but I'm going to do both of them and I'm going to fast and I'm going to get your attention, God, because I'm in the middle of a crisis or I see a crisis on my horizon and I'm going to make sure, God, that you know I'm serious about this and I'm going to make sure, God, that you help me navigate through this moment that's coming of, of this crisis, this moment of crisis that's coming towards me. It's, it's Daniel in this moment uh, that he would thank God for the things that were in his life. Uh, he would thank God for the captivity and the answered prayers and all that had gone on in his life. Uh, it's kind of like we find in Philippians um, chapter 4 and verse 6 uh, when Paul would write, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request uh, be made known unto God. He is saying with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, there needs to be the seriousness of prayer, the seriousness of supplication, which is passionate, bold, desperate, pleading prayers, but also coupled with that must be a thanksgiving in our spirit. So kind of what you have to do is pray with passion, pray with purpose, pray with determination. And before you get the answer, you pray this and say, God, I'm thanking you for it even now. I don't have my answer, but I'm thanking you for this uh, even now. God, I'm expressing my gratitude, uh, and I want you to know that I've prayed, I've sought you, and I'm thanking you, Lord, for an answer. Thankfulness uh, helps us see beyond our problems. I pause to say this. Have you ever been desperate for a need? Have you ever been desperate in your, say you've had a medical condition and, and you, I've heard many people say this, I will not leave this hospital until you give me an answer, doctor, or you'll get on the phone or you'll call that doctor. You'll fuss at his nurse. You'll fuss at his tech. You'll get the doctor and say, I'm not happy with this. You got to get me an answer. Have you, have you used that same passion towards God with the needs that you have. Have you ever prayed the prayer that said, God, I am going to pray about this and I'm not going to stop praying until you give me an answer. God, I will not step away from this place until heaven and earth come together and there's an answer that comes in my life and for in my crisis, God. And I say this, just as desperate and as anxious as you get in the natural 
natural for things that are bothering you. I've seen some of you ladies in the retail place. You want to talk to the manager. You don't want to talk to the clerk. You don't want to talk. You want to talk to the big manager. You ought to get upset and say, God, I'm not stopping between anywhere else until I touch you, God. And I'm going to talk directly to you. And I want you to hear me, Lord, because I'm praying through the moment and the midst of a crisis moment in my life. And if you are in that place today, I say get bold, get loud, and say, God, I don't take no for an answer, and I will pray, and I will seek you until you answer. And David was, and Daniel was in this process. And Daniel, at the close of this prayer, by the time you get to the end of chapter 19, you find that Daniel began to worship the Lord. They had not been released from captivity. They were on that moment of that 70-year window. He had been thrown in the lion's den and rescued. The other boys had been thrown in the fiery furnace. They'd been through these years of agitation and of turmoil and of crisis. They hadn't known freedom and liberty. They'd never had their freedom and never had their joy and never had their, never had all that they dreamed and felt like had been promised to them. But it was in this time at the close of this 70 year window that they were still praying and they were still worshiping. Well, pastor, I just don't feel like worshiping. I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like doing this right now. May I offer this suggestion to you? You should never trust uh, your feelings uh, when it comes uh, to worshiping the Lord. Amen. You should never trust your feelings because you can't trust those feelings because in your real life, I mean, just a, just a day or two ago, my wife says, uh, oh, how, how do you, how do you, she asked me to judge what, uh, she asked my opinion of what do you think about what I'm thinking? And, and I didn't answer I, I, I couldn't answer because that was, uh, that was a task that was larger than I was because I've learned I never try, I never try to interpret what she's thinking because neither one of us know. And so I just don't do, try to do that. And so she says, so I said, you're asking me to, to do something that I can't do. You're asking for me to offer an opinion that I can't offer it on. She says, well, then, then how do, this is how I'm feeling. What do you think about it? I said, now you're asking me to give an opinion of your feelings, which is worse than what you're thinking. Neither one of them can really be dealt with. And we had a little nice moment, and, and, and I, I moved out of the doghouse back into the house this morning, and so, so life is back on track. You cannot trust your feelings when it comes to praying, worshiping, and being faithful to God because your feelings are not trustworthy. Your feelings are are a conglomeration. They're a gathering up of all of your experiences in the past, your good times and your bad times. And your feelings include your disappointments and your hurts. Your feelings are going to have to, they just automatically allow for all that's caught on yesterday. But when you come to a moment of prayer and faith in Jesus Christ, you better pray in faith and you better be able to pray and worship God in advance because based on your feelings, you'll never have a reason to worship God. But I say, I say instead of just waiting on the feeling to worship the Lord, uh, waiting on that prayer to be answered, you don't 
do that. You worship him anyhow. You lift him up anyhow. You lift him up before you get the answer. You pray through that crisis. In the middle of that crisis, you say, I'm in the middle of it, but nevertheless, I'm going to worship God. I'm in the middle of it, but nevertheless, I'm going to lift him up. I may not understand this, but nevertheless, I will find my way and I will worship my way out of this crisis. Uh, Pastor, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if my feelings will let me do that. But understand this, your feelings are what they are. You can't trust those things. But more than likely, if you'll just keep praying, if you'll just stay in God's face, if you'll just keep lifting up your voice, if you'll just keep turning your face towards him, no matter what the crisis, no matter what the details, or no matter what the facts are, if you will keep doing that, there will be something produced in your life and in your faith that will be absolutely unbelievable. That's the reason some folks seem to get prayers answered. That's the reason some folks find it easy to have joy in the midst of the problems. They have turned their face towards God and they pray with faith and they worship with a spirit of thanksgiving in the middle of their crisis. And other folks, they never seem to find joy. They never seem to find happiness. It is uh, everywhere they go, the cloud follows them. It rains on nobody but them. But I guarantee you, there's a black cloud going to rain on them today. I promise you, if they get their eyes off their circumstance and turn their eyes towards the master, if they were in the middle of that crisis, say, I'm living under a cloud, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn my face towards God and he's going to hear me and he's going to help me. I, I will not allow my feelings to dictate my todays, but rather I'm going to let my faith in God dictate my destiny, dictate my future, dictate my, dictate the the, the goodness of God that's that's coming my way, the answers of God that he's promised. I I know they're going to happen. I know it's going to take place. And Daniel was nearing that threshold of 70 years knowing God had promised you're going to come out of this. And I'm here tonight to say you probably are nearing the threshold to the season of your prayers that God's going to answer and God's going to take care. Amen. Therefore, I just worship him in the middle of my crisis. Amen. At the general conference last week, our General superintendent is an incredibly, Brother David Bernard, an incredibly intelligent man. And he's a, he's a wonderful preacher. He's written so many books. And he's just a, an incredible leader on so many levels. Uh, but he's not really known to be a dynamic preacher that it just sets the world on fire. Uh, but in the midst of his closing of his sermon the other night when he preached to us, uh, he threw something out that got a hold of my spirit. And seldom, seldom when I'm off at one of those meetings uh, do I really just say, God, you just gave me a word. But the, our general superintendent threw something out there and he, he began to preach and say things like this. You've been praying and you've been And there's a church and there's a pastor that's in this room today that's been believing and trusting God. But mark this week as a game-changed moment in your life and in your ministry. And and there is going to be an event that takes place that just changes everything in the very near future. I grabbed a hold of that. I wrapped it up. I put it down in my heart.
heart and I brought it home to say, church, we will keep praying. We will keep worshiping. We will keep seeking the face of God. And I will personally grasp a hold of that word from God, knowing that there's going to be an event that's going to happen that's going to change. I declare it by the authority of the Holy Ghost on a Wednesday night. There will be a prayer that's answered. There will be something that takes place. And so in the midst of pressure, we worship him. In the midst of drama, we worship him. In the midst of worry, we worship him. In the midst of crisis, we turn our face towards God. We lift up that window and we cry out with boldness. And we cry out with certainty. And we pray with power. And we pray with passion. And we pray with purpose that he hears us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you stand up and lift your voice and clap your hands to the Lord right now for this? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen.